FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 148 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked. Woo! We're your host, Jason. Jesus? Jesus. Yes. Jason, Denise, and Ethan Venable. Yay! And we're here for a Secret Wars update. Update, update. In the middle of a night. Yep, live from our news desk in Battleworld. We're here to bring you all the Secret Wars happenings that relate to Wolverine in um, September 2015. Hey, can the war room, like, upgrade the chairs? No. Doom did not give us a budget. Doom, come on. <laughs> all good news reporters have the nice, cushy chairs. Do they? My brother was actually in broadcasting, and they had the most comfortable chairs. Oh. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> Moving on. Good story. Stop talking about comfy chairs. You've been saying that for a couple months now. <laughs> and Ethan just made that up. <laughs> hey, you've been talking about it for a couple of months. I've never heard her say that before in my whole Me life. Me I was sitting right there during dinner and you were saying, oh, I wish these chairs were comfier. Oh, I yes. She's these. been complaining about our chairs for years. No, I've been complaining since I got pregnant. Yeah, and it's been about two months. <laughs> Busted! For those out there in the podcast world, solid wooden chairs are not comfortable for pregnant women. Maybe not. But you know what else is uncomfortable? What, this banter? <laughs> yes. You know what else is uncomfortable? What's that? We have no old man Logan this month. What? Yeah, they skipped us. Yeah, so we'll have to finish that series on our next Secret Wars update for October. So, our feature this episode is going to be the conclusion to Giant Size Little Marvel AVX. Number four. Young and beautiful cat. Cat. Whatever you say. Wee, 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 all the way home. <laughs> Says every little French wee, person. Wee, wee, wee. Yeah, so that's really the, that's the book that me... And Denise and Ethan are going to talk about before we go out to our uh, special Secret Wars correspondence. So, it's Giant Size Little Marvel, AVX number four. Whatever the other title is, like Young and something. <laughs> what? Young. And. Oh, that, those are the credits. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Yes. Okay, I thought it was like side title, like Avengers Age of Ultron or something like that. Giant size, Little Marvel, AVX, Young Baloo. <laughs> Sounds like the name of a cartoon character. Yes, it does. Sounds like an anime. It um, sounds like Baloo from Jungle Book. <laughs> that, that too. Yep. So, words and art are by Scotty Young, the impeccable Scotty Young. Colors by Jean-Francois Baloo. Letters by Jeff Eckleberry. What are those uh, chocolate treats you've been getting me coming, Eckleberry? I don't know. I can look. <laughs> uh, production design by Idette Weinkour. And then the cover is also by Scotty Young. 
So, Ethan, what's on our cover? So, basically, what it looks like, it looks like you've taken a preschooler, given it, like, little Marvel toys, and had a giant hissy fit about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> because Thor's hammer is upside down, it's got cracks all in it, which I'm surprised that actually happened. The handle snapped, and all right. the little, like, rope around it, it's, like, coming off. We've got more of Iron Man pieces. He's got the face mask. A weird looking chest plate thing. I don't know. Actually, that's Scarlet, which is uh, an ornament. Yeah. <laughs> Cyclops. Oh, hold on. I thought that was part of it. Okay. No. So we have Cyclops' mask that has a crack in it, like always. Right. <laughs> um, Iron Man eyes have cracks. In the corner, you can see, like, a little Wolverine mask. Mm-hmm. Whoever's staff that is. That's Hawkeye's uh, quiver. And then... With broken arrows. Because he's from Oklahoma. <laughs> then Magic Sword. Yes. Um, Captain America's um, shield. Broken shield. We have Rogue's hoodie on the floor. We have... Some um, spider costume. And then we have a toy box. We have Hulk's pants. <laughs> Where? Right there? Oh, no, they're down here. You're right. That's Hawkeye's quiver. Oh, okay. But uh, you can still see Hulk pants. Yeah, Hulk's pants are in the bottom corner. And then we have a toy box. My favorite part of the toy box is, A, we have a, a tiny infinity gauntlet, which I love. But also we have a Bucky teddy bear. Well, and is that? That's Star-Lord's mask. Star-Lord's uh-huh. Mask. It almost looks like if you took a cartoon and turned it into Darth Vader's mask because it kind of <laughs> looks like it's got like the two little parts on his like breathing port yeah. and the red eyes. Yep, it's very similar. Or like the robot that looks like Darth Vader in the movie. Yeah. So, do we like this cover? Um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I don't think it's actually as good as all the other ones, but Okay. Probably my second favorite cover out of the whole series. Okay. What about you, Denise? What do you think of this cover? I agree. I think it's good, but there have been other ones that just made me laugh right off the bat. Cool. Well, we have another theme song. Doom, 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 doom. Welcome to Battle World. Super fun for boys and girls. Your favorite Cyclops probably there. Like, quietly lips her floppy 90s hair. It's backyard war again. But the kids are still best friends. Giant sized little Marvel Avengers versus X Men versus, versus Guardians, Guardians of the, the Galaxy. galaxy. Asterisk. Nothing cool rhymes with galaxy. It's a dumb word to try and shoehorn into a song. <laughs> and so you have. And my favorite part about this picture is Groot is hugging a tree. Yes, I love that too. So Groot is giving the. So we have two big trees with our two opposing tree houses. The X-Men Clubhouse and the Avengers Clubhouse. And Groot just jumps out of the spaceship from the Guardians and, and gives one of the trees a big old hug. Tree hugger. Tree hugger. But he is Groot. My second favorite part is Hulk holding up Rocket Raccoon upside down by his tail. Like, oh, Hulk not understand what this is. Which I like Sorry. how they... Little Hulk. Little Hulk. I actually like how they drew... Um, little Rocket Raccoon. I actually really like it, but yes. I'm sad that they didn't do, like, a little Ant-Man. Well, we get one maybe later. Maybe. Did, y- did y'all miss that? 
I missed it. Oh, okay. But I do like the little baby rocket raccoon. It's so cute. Yes. All right, so remember, Zoe and Zachary are being recruited by all the teams of Little Marvel. Everyone's fighting for their allegiance. And so right now we have the Avengers, the X-Men, and the Guardians of the Galaxy all vying for their love. Love. Give me the love. (laughs) And I love what happens next, because guess who gets outed out? Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, so the X-Men make their case, then the Avengers make their case, and, um... Wolverine calls the Avengers disgusting. He goes, disgusting. <laughs> and then what does Captain America do, Ethan? Who's this looking all Avenger at the Avenger Clubhouse? Being a straight up Avenger. <laughs> yeah, and what does he have? What's what's he showing everybody? He's showing the video of from the last book where he's like, Shh, don't tell Cyclops. Yeah, where Wolverine's <laughs> playing an Avengers man uh, clubhouse. And he's like, shh, don't tell Cyclops. Yeah. He's like, don't give me the eye. And he's got this weird, like, angry Cyclops eye. Yes, yeah, little Cyclops is very mad. I like how, uh, so on the A-phone that Captain America has, yes. uh, the picture is on a Marvel gram. When you zoom in on this, you it's, can see oh, yeah. it. Well, it, yeah, Instagram. When you zoom in, it's like that. No, it actually says Instagram. Oh, does it? Yeah. Uh, okay. It's not a play? Wait, who's, um... But the account, I couldn't read the account. Tony Stark. <laughs> That's funny. So if you zoom way in, it's on Tony Stark's Instagram. And it has... It has a photorealistic picture of Tony about Stark. About 23 likes. <laughs> All right. X-23. Uh, oh, mind blown. <laughs> I mean, Groot looks so weird with his, like, half... I eyelid down and big eye. Yeah. So Groot says, I am Groot. So the the Guardians say, hey, we found him last. And then Iron Man yells, and I love the inside of Iron Man's mouth. <laughs> yes. He's got, like, little, like, his whole mouth is blue, but he's still got a little blue, like, robotic tongue and little blue robotic teeth. But then another group shows up to lay claim to the Wonder Twin. Uh, sorry, the copyright. Uh, the the little Z twins. And who is it? It's the Inhumans. Yes, I love Medusa's uh, pigtail. Or not? No, what are those called? Yeah, pigtails. I thought pigtails are braided, and they're not. Pink they're tails. braided. Oh, all right. Well, anyway, she has two big ponytails on the side of her head. Pigtails. That's a made-up word. Pink There's no tails. such thing as pink tails. Is it like <laughs> Sonic Tails that's pink? Yes. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Pink tails. It's on Cinemax late at night. It's pigtails. Pigtails. Okay, that's oh, not pigtails. pink tails. So it's pig with tails. Anyway, Medusa lays claim she's trying to recruit the kids to be the Inhumans. And suddenly there's another treehouse. Yes, but it looks like a like some kind of like Cyclops version of it. No, it's the Inhuman Treehouse. It's also, Little Adelan or Atillan or whatever you want to call it. This is my favorite part. So, so they say, "Nice, you hear that, Zoe? We could be royals." It's like we've been here all day. We How could be we royals. Know? Royals. But then later on, they realize that they don't want. We're just little kids. <laughs> No idea. You're on your own. Your underwear has the skids. 
And later they're going to regret it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, but they do. Uh, Medusa says royal a couple of times. And um, everybody makes fun of them. Hashtag humble brag. Yes. So Cyclops says, hey, are you all royally descended from royals and live in a royal palace? Just wondering, because I'm not sure you've said royal enough. And Medusa says, I'm going to royally kick your... And Lockjaw interrupts. So they spare them and they take the kids to downtown Marville. <laughs> and literally, they draw the joke. Then they make the joke that I thought. Because they draw the uh, the Terrigen cloud. And it literally drops on two kids. They turn into a cocoon. And they hatch. And what do they look like when they hatch? They look very ugly. <laughs> yeah, they look like little... The girl... So the girl started out with just normal, um, like normal, just black, like little ponytail thing. She had little dreads, yeah. And then the boy just had like shaggy hair. So the when girl's dreads out, turn into tubey eyeballs. And she doesn't have her eyes anymore. No. And she's still wearing her jacket. And then the boy just becomes some weird devil-looking thing that has um bumps all over. Yes, they look like they would be in a Monsters Inc. Oh, that, yeah. that's a good idea. But they yeah. it takes forever. It's like, they will be alive um, no time at all. And then morning, evening, night, yeah. and they <laughs> Yeah, the cocoon takes a long time. And the twins freak out when they see what they turn into. And uh, Cyclops laughs and goes, Ha ha ha, hey, we're the Inhumans. Join us and you'll get hit with a green fart cloud wrapped in a rotten egg and turned into one of these. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, kill it with fire, kill yeah. it with fire. Well, then Black Bolt gets offended, little Black Bolt, and he lets out a little scream and knocks Cyclops out. And again, the broken... I don't... Every single movie, Cyclops has never... Or every single little comic book. Cyclops has never, ever not broken... His, his visor breaks all the time, visor. which in real grown-up Marvel would be big, big trouble because he would lose control of his eyes. Right. Yes, but since it's only like half of it normally, <laughs> I don't know how he still can do it. So then everybody fights some more, and I Wait, love... Wait, do they eye the eye? Oh. Eye all right, so when Cyclops gets knocked out, what does he say? He says, looks like we didn't see eye to eye. We heard that terrible pun. Whatever. <laughs> and the, the doom statue of the head just bonks on his head. Yes, it does. That's doom pretty head. funny. So everybody argues, and um, Rocket Raccoon gets his, uh, he gets tongue-tied. So he wants to be, why don't you be Gamora, I'll be Rocket, and you, Ethan, you be Groot, okay? Okay. These people are nuts. You guys want to get out of here? No way. Let's stick around. I am Groot. Because they're about to get into an epic fight, and I'm not about to miss getting a piece of that. I can use some punching. I mean, uh, I can use some punching of other people. You know, I kind of want to be punched, but I do want to punch someone who is not me. Please stop. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> I love the cartoon, like picture cussing i think yeah. that's really funny there's like explosions and there's even one that's like a thumbs down <laughs> it's uh, that's magic magic has yeah. a thumb down right so the kids get mad and they basically say you know what we don't want to be with any of you people but they also yell shut up yes they do yell shut, shut up, up for a dance. <laughs> finish it don't start a joke and then hide <laughs> behind it 
Shut up and dance with me. Woo-hoo. Shut up and dance. Yep. I'm going to see them this weekend. Are you really? Or I guess if you're listening to this, I saw them last weekend. Are you really? Yeah. Seeing who? Walk the Moon. They're, sing the yeah, they're at they're ACL. Oh. So Daddy yeah. gets to see them live in concert. How dare you leave us behind? I'll, I'll video. Oh, uh, yeah, and then it'll sound <laughs> horrible. It'll sound brilliant. How brilliant. Like so anyway, the kids rejecting all our heroes leads to not a double page spread, a quadruple oh. page spread of fighting. Do you get the whole image in the iPad? Yes. yes. That's nice. All right, so Ethan, in this picture, though, Man. right above Spi- little Spider-Man's head is a oh, tiny little Ant-Man. That's yeah. so cute. <laughs> and there's Daredevil. Yep, I love Daredevil Finally, with those lowercase d's. Oh, and there's War Machine. Yeah, so we have some new guys. We have Speedball. We little have little She-Hulk. Ant-Man. We little have a little Ant-Man. Morbius, a little Moon Knight, which I love. No Ant-Man. Uh, Blade. Yeah. I love that little Luke Cage has a big fro. I, love, I like that a lot. Who's that's Morbius, little Morbius. And we get a little Silver Surfer, little Spider-Gwen, of course a little Ant-Man like we said. I think all so the rest cute. of these guys have been in there. Now we get a little Black Panther. That was cool. Ant-Man's so cute. A little Punisher with a cape for some reason. <laughs> a, uh, not so little Sasquatch. A little, she Thor. Yeah, a little Gambit, a little Shatterstar. A girl Thor. That's the new Thor, mm. yeah. But yeah, that's a great little... Oh, the thing... That's you Mr. Fantastic. See, you can see the thing's butt. <laughs> yeah, you can see the thing's butt. His little butt. His cute little butt. Shake it up. Shake it up. Yeah, so the twins decide to leave, but someone runs past them and says, No, come with me. And they follow them to the Marvel junkyard, and they meet the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Except we're not all mutants, so it's more like a brotherhood of evil full stop. And we're not all brothers, so it's more like the fellowship of evil. Wait, I think fellow means boys, so that might not be right either. Um, there are no strings on me! They always... I mean, that's... That's the funny that's part. That's my favorite though. part. Because we have Baby have Ultron. Baby Ultron, so cute. <laughs> it's got glowing inside his mouth. I also really, really like and want a stuffed animal of a little rhino. <laughs> He's so cute. I want a stuffed an- baby. Yeah. I want a stuffed animal of Ant Man. A baby Ant Man. A baby Ant Man. Or a baby Ultron. Yep. And so there's a new uh, clubhouse and it's the villains. And then um the yep. Z twins get their own little super villain costumes. They look a lot like the red robin uniform. But you know, whatever. And also the, um, Venom looks so weird. It looks like you just took like a circle and put it on top of the, the where it, it looks like a pot mouth, pot mouth Venom. Yeah. All right. So, what did we think of the art? Um, it was good. Yeah, it was about the same as it's been every issue, which is great. Denise, art. Loved it. I just love the little kid version. I do too. What did we think of the story? Amazing. I thought it was okay. I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes. Well, it's done. It's done? Yeah, this is the last issue. No. Yeah. I disagree. 
Okay. I let's let's get these. Who was it? Who was it again? Scotty Young. Yeah, Scotty Young. Uh, you're not finished. I think he's already moved on to his next book. Yeah, you're not finished. <laughs> um, being a creative director of an agency, I'm going to insist that you drop all other projects and um, finish this, please. Thank you. Yeah. I'll work on your creative brief later. Okay. All right. So, Ethan, when are you going to grade Giant Size Little Marvel AVX Young Banu number four? change it just a little bit this okay what are you going to give it five out of six. Oh wow you dropped a five out of six claws well, because what was the difference this time the different i mean most of the story would would just not be like like start the story already go on to fighting and then just end up finding someone else that's that's, that's basically not what I feel like is gonna be good enough, and because pre- pretty much all they do is run into the the of Guardians of the Galaxy. They get in the fight, as they shut up and dance with me, <laughs> and, then, and then shut up and dance with me. And then they meet the bad guys, and then they come back. So I feel like there's gonna be another book, but also I don't feel like it's what all the original books. So probably five out of okay. six. Okay. Denise, when are you going to grade Giant Size Little Marvel AVX Young Baloo number four? I'm also going to give it five out of six because I felt like I wanted to see more of the mutants of brotherhood. The evil mutants. Though. The peoplehood like of evil mutants. Yes, the peoplehood yeah. of evil mutants. Yeah. There was probably like six. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to I wanted to see more of that. While I enjoyed the bickering between the Guardians of the Galaxy and the Inhumans, the Brotherhood intrigued me, so I was kind of upset that it ended <laughs> in like one page. Okay. Well I'm gonna give Giant Size Little Marvel AVX Young Balloon number four. Also, five out of six claws. Um, I liked it quite a bit, but I think number two and number three were by far my favorites of the series. I know y'all gave number one six as well, but I'm going to return to my, my score of number one. I thought it was really good, but not as good as the middle two. So, five out of six all around. I am sad it's over. Yes, me too. I can, I can do this book every month. Yeah, I can. I actually have like real like stories. Yeah. Or even just like redo of old story. Like Oh, that would be just like fun. take like classic issues and just do it the little Marvel way. And I can I can even handle that. Yeah. But I don't know. But it's over. If you use that idea, Marvel, we get royalties. Yes. Just saying. In human royalties. <laughs> royal, royal, yeah. royal, 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 royal. All right, so that's gonna do it for in the studio. And I have our, one more thing. Oh, one more thing. Loki looks so weird. Loki? Yes, Loki. Little Loki, little Loki, looks so weird, looks so weird. Why? I mean, originally, Loki is supposed to have, like, big, huge horns. Oh, and they're little. He's little. Yes, but now he's got, like, like it looks like he has sideburns only. Maybe and he, he does, does have big does. sideburns. But originally, Loki's just to have just shaggy hair everywhere. True. Not just sideburns. Yep. All right, well, I think that's a good place to stop. So, we will uh, head out. What? Who's the red guy? Juggernaut? Juggernaut? Juggernaut. You know about the guy behind Little Ultron? Yes. Yes, that's Little Juggernaut. It it almost looks like Baymax. (laughs) A little bit. He does kind of look like Baymax. 
Just give him a little white head and you'll be. Yes. So that is the end. The end of Giant Size Little Marvel AVX Young Blue. And um, so now we're going to go out to our special Secret Wars correspondence. And first up is Jack to bring us the end of Years of Future Past. Take it away, Jack. Woo! <laughs> Hello, Jason. Hello, listeners of the podcast that go snicked. This is Jack Chambers from the Intercomics Podcast making my fifth and final review for the Years of Future Past Secret Wars series that is going on. I say it's fifth. It's for the fifth issue. Um, this is actually my fourth review because I did two in one because I didn't do one one week because I'm terrible like that. And basically Jason just needs to keep prodding me to actually do my job and actually review comics. Anyway, this is, like I said, the final issue. This is issue number five of Years of Future Past, written by Margaret Bennett, drawn by Mike Norton, with colours from FCO Placencia and Joe Caramagna doing the letters. Art Adams and Peter Steigerwald have done the cover. And, yeah, let's get into the issue. It is perhaps the strongest sort of emotionally and particularly with the symbolism um i kind of i haven't picked that i'm for those of you who don't know me i'm terrible at picking up symbolism um and basically there has been a sort of consistent theme of tigers going on in the background and for whatever reason and kind of tied to our main character christina or chrissy pride um and basically her kind of relationship and her kind of the way she's been sort of in- interacting with other characters has been kind of portrayed by these tigers in the background and the way that they kind of have reclaimed the city in this post-apocalyptic dystopian world kind of thing. And the way she eventually has to resort to violence, there's now these very direct kind of correlations between her and cats and tigers and things like that the fact that obviously her mother is kitty pride or cat pride as they often call her since now she has grown old and she is called catherine now basically we first met chrissy in an alley and she uses the term alley cats to describe um sorry cameron her brother uses the term alley cats to describe mutants and how mutants are just breeding and basically taking over the world and they should be cleansed to save humankind and this is kind of the culmination of what Cameron has been building up to um, over the last couple of issues their relationship is I think I mentioned this in my review of issue three and four this is very much the central part of this series and that's where it succeeds most I think Um, the way that the two come from totally different sides of the kind of mutant struggle and yet they're brother and sister and they still have a close relationship at first but eventually has to realise they have to resort to violence and that's also where the imagery of big cats and, and wild cats and tigers and this kind of bloodthirsty eventually things have to resort to violence kind of thing comes in. The rest of the X-Men, however, do not get a very interesting showing here at all. Um, Obviously, Lockheed as a giant purple dragon is kind of awesome. But the rest of 
them, Colossus, Wolverine, Storm. Yeah, everyone else really doesn't get much of a, a look in, to be honest. It is almost entirely focused on Cameron and Chrissy Pride. And like I said, that is where the strength of this issue lies. I was very lukewarm on this series at first, and it has certainly not been consistent or particularly good in places. But I like the kind of emotional beats that Bennett tries to hit. The way that Mike Norton has tied in references and cues and imagery and things like that with the actual plot and the interaction of the characters is really nice. You can tell Bennett and Norton are kind of singing from the same hymn sheet, for want of a better phrase. And the final shot of Chrissy like confronting this tiger and and the X-Men making a final stand in this kind of dystopian, mutant-hating world is quite pow- it's quite a powerful one. It's quite an important moment and quite a big moment for the character. And more so than anyone else, Chrissy has got the, the spotlight and the development. Cameron's development did feel a bit rushed. Um, I wasn't as sold on his character as I am on Chrissy's or his motivations, to be honest. But overall, I kind of get their conflict and their final confrontation. There, There is some brilliant bits of dialogue in there confrontation as well when they're actually physically fighting each other and Chrissy's busting out her kind of liquid metal like T-1000 style melty metal powers it is it is pretty cool and the line of there aren't any innocent bystanders here is what Cameron says and she replies with no there aren't they're just martyrs and she then finishes their their battle and it's that kind of poignant moment of, in the same way, in, in Days of Future Past, there are so many sacrifices that the X-Men have to make and so many characters that die along the way. There are people that are martyred for the mutant cause. And this kind of issue very much plays on that, that theme. But, like I said, overall, it is very much focused on those two and everything else kind of takes a back seat to uh, Cameron's and Chrissy battling it out. So, not a perfect issue, but an emotional one, a poignant one, and uh, basically a really good use of imagery and symbolism they've been kind of building up across the issues without me even noticing. So it's been a really good way of... The way that's been built up by, like I said, by Norton and Bennett has been really well done, and I'm a bit of an artistic Luddite when it comes to this sort of thing. So, yeah, props to Norton in particular, I think. Um, His work's been strong throughout, and... Yeah, I'm interested to see where we go after Secret Wars. Obviously, this is the final issue. Lots of Secret Wars series are now wrapping up. I think we'll be glad to see the back of a lot of them, but I know I'm going to miss a lot of them myself as well. So I'm very interested to uh, get the full lineup from Marvel and see where all these X-Books are going to be left after Secret Wars. So, overall, this is a solid issue for character development and kind of resolution and conflict resolution and things like that but not hugely interesting for basically anything else. The art's fine. Like I said, Norton's been solid throughout. Um, Some of the dialogue is good, but that's only on sort of 10 out of the 22 pages or so. It's a bit of a mixed bag, but overall I like the final moments with Chrissy and Cameron so much that I'm going to give it 4 out of 6 popped claws from Old Man Logan as he's... He's somewhat old man Logan in this. So, uh, yeah. I'm sure I'll be back on again soon. If you do want to hear more of my voice for some reason, you can go and check out the podcast that I host with 
Other two guys have also been on the show, Mr. Matthew Wilmot and Dan Cole. I host a comic book podcast where we talk about basically anything from casting, movie news and all that sort of stuff right the way through to the latest comic book news, classic comics. We do a monthly book show as well where we read a particular comic or particular trade or particular run or something like that. Um, At the end of every month we do a special episode dedicated to that. That's always really fun as well. We're just starting our october issue um very very soon so if you want to get on board with that come and check us out we are intercomics podcast you can come and check us out at intercomicspodcast.com or on twitter we are at intercomics pod so thank you for listening to me i'm sorry if you absolutely hate uh, years of future past or my ramblings or both um i'm sorry to have interrupted your usual schedule but um it'll be somewhat more back to normal with jason and his usual guests So thank you for listening, everybody, and hopefully you'll be hearing me again soon on the podcast that goes snicked. Meh. (laughs) No, uh, thank you, Jack. Um, Actually, the review was uh, quite delightful, and um, I'm sincerely happy that that Jack enjoyed that series, you know, because I I asked him to read it. (laughs) I kind of feel responsible. So I'm glad that he got something out of it and felt, you know, some impact and that it was a story that sticks because, honestly, I just got none of that. You know, Jack nails it right on the head. This whole book focuses and hinges on really the whole series on Chrissy and Cameron. And I just, for whatever reason, the investment that Jack, the connection that Jack had to those characters, I just didn't get. And there's just really nothing else in this issue or really this series to latch on to. And since I didn't really feel anything in particular for those characters, the whole series just fell flat for me. I agree, art is fantastic, but just didn't really care about the story at all or or really the characters. Um, Even the tiger stuff, Jack, I don't think you're, you're bad at symbolism. I just think it wasn't very well done symbolism. I get that it's there. I agree that it's there. And the tigers represent the mutants and vice versa. I just, I felt like it was kind of there for a second. And then they ignored it. And then they shoved it down your throat at the end. It's not really the best way, in my opinion, to do symbolism. <laughs> so I don't blame you, Jack. I blame the writer. Yeah, I feel like there was one part in here with Wolverine I liked. So I'm looking for it. But um, maybe there wasn't. Oh, yeah, just so at the end, after after Chrissy kills Cameron, they're all mourning, and Wolverine's like, he was my son, too. And Colossus, his real dad, says, yes, Logan, he was. And that was kind of touching, I guess. But yeah, uh, I'm going to give Years of Future Past, number five, two out of six claws. Really, really enjoyed the art. And speaking of the tigers, the tigers looked awesome. But yeah, whatever. But thank you, Jack, for doing that. Um, I'm already kind of making a plan to get Jack back on again fairly soon-ish, depending on how the schedule goes. But um, yeah, in the meantime, definitely go check out the Intercomics podcast and uh, hit Jack up on Twitter. Let him know what you think of his lovely reviews because they were great and, in my opinion, better than the comics he read (laughs) and that I read, too. I did read them. Promise. Scout's honor. Anyway, up next, we're going to go to Dan. Uh, We're finishing a lot of things this episode, so he's going to wrap up Extinction Agenda. All right, Dan, take it away. Hello, people of Snicked Land, Snicked World, Battle World, and all of the worlds. It is I, Dan, the Wham Cole, and on my final 
journey into the horrible depths of Secret Wars, the mini battle worlds, is the final chapter in Extinction Agenda. And I must say, before I even get into the review, I'm so glad this series is over and I don't have to ever read it again. But anyway, before that informs what you think I may come of the, um, the ratings, I'll start. Well, let's start with the cover. Again, unfortunately, David Nakayama's covers are beautiful and they grace a terrible book. But we have Havoc looking as kick-ass as always in his sort of old-school Genosian-style costume, fighting one cyborg um, Joker-faced Cameron Hodge on a pile of dead X-Men bodies. It's dramatic, it's, it screams um, modern 90s interpretation, and I find it quite fun. And that's about the best thing we're going to get out of this review. Uh, Mark Guggenheim is the writer. Artist is Kamen, um, Kamen Diagen... Can I do it? DGM Domingo. Uh, Colorist is Nolan Woodard. And letters by Feces Coy Petit. Guggenheim basically writes a fight comic. It is yet another issue where various X-Men fight each other for a long, 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 long time. Um, to break it down, we pick up in Genosha, where Hodge is being attacked by Wolverine, Wolfsbane, and several other mutants. It's a big old battle... On the other side of Genosha, Havoc and his rest of his team are fighting off um, Rachel and her entire X-Men squad. Essentially, it's just fight after fight. People are getting, like, um, little moments in the fight. Mystique, triage, everyone. It's just every panel is just someone punching someone in the face, essentially. Um, Wolverine continues to sound like an idiot and totally overly aggressive. Um... I find Rachel to be completely bizarre in her characterization. The fact that she doesn't even believe, even though she read Havoc's mind and could easily just use her phoenix powers to read Wolfsbane's mind, doesn't even believe that Cameron Hodge is alive for about five seconds. Cameron Hodge is like the pure, uh, written like the pure X-Men villain who twirls a moustache. The only good mutant is a dead one is probably the most uh, stereotypical line that he comes out with. But, you know, he's full-on hate. Um, lots of people die. Richter gets murdered with a spike to the face. Some of the name Ink. I was going to say Nameless X-Men. No one really cares about Ink. Does anyone even remember Ink? He was in a film. Let's, let's just think about that. Um, the book is cut up thanks to Marvel's advertising, which I do like some of the books it's advertising, but, you know, smacking it in the middle of an action, double-page action spread seems a bit annoying, as usual. Thank you, Marvel, and your advertising. Obviously not learning enough from Disney. Um, apparently, I didn't read this, apart from maybe once, um, Boom Boom, or whatever her name is these days, Tabitha, um... Really liked Richter, so when he died and popped his clogs through a spear to the face, uh, she went mental and started blowing up stuff. Essentially, the mutants caused probably more collateral damage than um, Cameron Hodge did. Um, and it sort of just ends 
abruptly. They, they, honestly, I honestly have nothing to say. They fight. Mystique turns into Archangel because Archangel chopped his head off to, to distract him for five seconds. Um, and then, for some unknown reason... I don't really understand the debate. That I, don't, I just don't... Um, I don't really get what they're trying to do. Basically, Alex's team goes into the Blackbird... And they essentially blow themselves up with havoc, and it's just like a giant explosion. Basically, everyone seems to kill themselves, and then um, Hodge is dead, leaving Rachel and a few others still alive. And they decide to rebuild because you know it isn't, you know, the virus is gone now, so these posh snobby X Men can live there. So now they'll just rebuild. Genosha because they're X-Men with a really completely bizarre moment and then it ends with a sort of cliffhanger and that Warlock is alive and it just says Marvel and I don't know if that means we're going to get a Warlock miniseries or it doesn't really matter. Nothing matters in this book. I feel absolutely no connection to anything that's happening. Everything that was interesting in issue one has gone. The really pitiful ending of, oh, well... They sacrificed themselves, and they were our friends, even if we did beat them to death, or tried to beat them to death at one point. But let's rebuild, because, you know, you know... I feel like if they didn't attack each other in the first place, and Rachel was all like, maybe I'm not, I shouldn't be a monster and help you, none of this shit would have happened. And the suicide mission, really, is that, that the only way to kill Cameron Hodge when you've got the Phoenix Force standing there, you know, to, to blow up themselves and half of Genosha? So... Basically, it's a bit of a bad story. Artistically, the book is so much better served. It still looks wondrous, mainly because the synergy between um, Gia Domeninko and Woodard uh, is just perfect. Uh, his dynamic pencils and... The colours really sell the like the book is gorgeous and you just kind of you really just sell the fight and it gives the de- the fight depth and that's what you need from a fight book is that the art needs to give it a lot of depth and a lot of sort of well eye candy essentially and that is accomplished it's just there is no investment in any of the characters or anything within the story therefore his art is wasted on this comic and I do hope he gets to do more because I feel like he has a really um, well, the artistic team have a really unique vision for the X-Universe, and I do hope that they can explore that more in the future. Um, this is going to kind of be like a short review, um, because, to be honest, it's just gone downhill significantly, and there's nothing much more to say than, please just don't read it. Um, it's a waste of your time. What started off is like a, a possible... In interest, interesting debate on who should be saved in the in the who should be saved when a virus is about to annihilate an entire part of your species, and how, what lengths would you go to to protect the rest of the species from said virus? Descends into just a complete fight book for the entirety of all four issues, and it's a problem that I think Secret Wars is consistently having and unfortunately uh, it leaves a bad taste so with the rankings as they are the art itself I will give a nice um, 
if I was going to just rank it on the art, I would still give the art four claws out of six. But because of the the actual script and the story and the pacing, I feel like it drags those that art down to at least uh, a one and a half claws out of six, unfortunately. And there you have it. So, bye-bye Battleworld, and let's hope we can see something better in the future. Oh, Dan, bless you. <laughs> I apologize. Not as much as I apologize to Georgie for making him start off on X-Men 92, but uh, close enough. <laughs> At least this book looks really good. And that's pretty much all there is to say about it, Dan. Pretty much said all the rest. Before I forget, since he either forgot or just chose not to, uh, follow Dan on Twitter at, at gizmo151183. That's uh, gizmo151183. And um, give him some love. and uh, Give him some hugs for having to read this crappy series. Yeah, it's just... It's not good. Just a mess, and it, the whole issue and the whole series makes just no damn sense. The plot, the characters don't feel like they're doing anything, but man, the art looks good. The art and the colors look really, really fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, uh, how good is the art? Well, I'm gonna give Extinction Agenda number four, and I kind of. I really, really dug the way this looked. I kind of want to give it three out of six claws, but I don't know if I can. I think I'm going to give it two out of six claws, and all of that is the art. The story gets zero. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's Extinction Agenda. Um, You know, much like what I kind of forgot to say about Years of Future Past, and it applies to this story as well, is... It's just incredibly forgettable. I literally will um, post this episode and probably forget I read either of those series. Um, There's just nothing to stick in your mind. But I do agree with Dan. I hope this art team, um, Dijuan, Domenico, and Woodard, I hope they get to play in the X-Men sandbox again sometime soon. In addition to the pencils and the colors, I also really enjoyed his framing. He did some kind of off angular frames and stuff like that and just the paneling and the framing was really cool and while it was a dumb moment I do want to highlight his archangel was a particular highlight for me it was a 90s archangel looked really really cool but yeah that's it that's extinction agenda who cares just look at it just just buy it or actually borrow it from someone and just flip through it and don't read the words you'll be much better off Alright, well next up we have Matt with E is for Extinction. Number four, another series drawing to a close. Alright, take it away Matt. Hello everybody, this is Matthew Wilmot, aka The French Connection from Intercomics Podcast. And it's time for the final issue, the very end of E is for Extinction. Um, We start out with a, a little backstory, I suppose, as to how we began this issue with Professor X blowing his brains out. And it in turn leads to the fact that Professor X and Cassandra Nova and little tiny Jean Grey are now all trapped together inside the mysterious Phoenix Egg, which everyone's been fighting over for the last couple of issues. And we realise that all the time that this egg has been sitting there growing getting ready to hatch. Professor X and Cassandra have been fighting over the soul and body of Jean Grey. 
And when the egg finally cracks and out pops Jean, oh, no, wait, it's actually Cassandra Nova because she's won the battle with Charles Xavier. And then goes on what can only be described as a murder spree. Um, pretty much her first action as soon as she comes out of the egg is she obliterates Cyclops in a properly exciting, fiery death. Uh, even his skeleton seems to be melting away. The only thing that does survive, ironically, is his glasses. So it turns out that, you know, Phoenix Flame can kill everything except for ruby quartz and, you know, whatever kind of plastic is wrapped around it, which is good to know if you're ever coming up against the Phoenix. You need to get a suit made out of ruby quartz and some plastic, and you'll all be good. You'll survive. You'll win. Um, so... That's the start of the murderthon, is what I'm going to call it. It, is, it truly is a murderthon because nobody, nobody is uh, going to get out of this in one piece. I think it's it, it's fairly clear early on. Um, you know, we've got all the other Hank McCoys are now possessed by Cassandra, and they're deciding that they're going to go out and throw down for her. Um, you know, Emma Frost is trapped inside her diamond form, mourning the loss of Scott. And, you know, she's come along with a... She's getting attacked. She's getting hit by a sandstorm. And, you know, she says, what do I have to fight for anymore? Which is, you know, it's pretty bleak, but I find quite touching. You know, I think it's fair to say that Scott Summers is probably the love of her life. Um... Maybe she wasn't the nicest person, but he did care for her. So, yeah, Emma Frost is pretty much giving up. She's like, no, I'm I'm done. I, I don't want to fight anymore. Um, Beak, lovely Beak, and his kids, uh, they're in on the action as well. Turns out his kids have been possessed by Cassandra and have now got their hands on a whole host of murder weapons. Um... And it comes to a point where they happen, he and his uh, partner have to decide how are they going to take down their kids without killing them. Because they don't want to kill their kids. Because they're their kids. Any parent will know that your kid is the only kid that you actually like on the planet. Everyone else's kids you sort of tolerate to various degrees. But your own kids, you you care about them, you know? Um, Hank, good old beast... He's getting attacked by the remaining Cuckoo sisters and they're about to just muller him, to use an English term. They are, they're just going to muller him. They're just going to all pile on top of him and beat him to death with their giant psychic brains. Um, Ernst and Basilisk, they have quite a touching moment where you see you know, the, the full ferocity of Cassandra Nova where she makes Basilisk just kill himself. Even though she's got control of him, she does it just to break Ernst. And I think that's a, that's a pretty brutal way to go. You know, that's, that, that's the one that actually causes, like, real pain. Not like physical pain. Physical pain you can get over. You know, emotional pain, that shit lasts forever, you know? Um... But, of course, this wouldn't be an X-Men book without good old Wolverine coming in to save the day. And he and the mind of 
Professor X, which is trapped inside the dead body of Quentin Quire. Because, you know, it wouldn't be wouldn't be the X-Men books without someone being in control of someone else's body for a while, would it? They hatch a plan. And their plan is basically the end of X-Men, The Last Stand, which a lot of people hate. A lot of people really despise that movie, but it's not actually that bad. I mean, it's no X2, obviously, but it, it's watchable. It's just You just have to like close your ears and look away when he shouts, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. And I think you'll be all right after that. Um, but yeah, uh, the the plan is is that Logan's just going to skewer Gene, and Gene is going to skewer Logan. So, you know, everyone gets run through. So it's, you know, dramatic and visceral, but also a little bit sexy as well. Anyone who likes Wolverine with his shirt off, this is the book for you. He's all studly and buff and a little bit hairy, and some people dig that. Um, so, that's the plan. That, that's, that's the end to the book, really. Um, the, 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 the plan to have Jean and Logan murder each other while they have the Professor and Cassandra trapped inside their brains, ultimately killing them as well, is the biggest sacrifice. It's how the rest of the mutant population live. And Jean has died more times than, well, just about all of humanity ever in the history of the world. There's probably more dead genes than there are dead people. And Logan, you know, he, he always dies. Let's be honest, he, get, he dies like every day, like a little bit inside. He just, you know... Gets sadder and sadder, and ultimately his vessel's just going to break, and there'll be nothing else to pour out, and he'll just lay there, laying up into the sky, and wither away with time and age, like erosion. He's basically like a rock, and the wind is just going to blow him away to dust. So there we have it. E is for extinction, or as they say at the end of the book, E is for the end. It's kind of clever. Also kind of dumb as well. Um, I'll be honest, this isn't my favourite of the uh, X-Men Secret War books that I've read. Um, but it's been it's been a fairly enjoyable romp all the way through. It's, it's not the... I don't think it's been the best Secret Wars story, but it also hasn't been the worst. Um, so I'm going to give it a, 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 you know, a right down the middle three for the story as an overall piece, not just this issue, as overall I'm going to give it a solid three because it didn't do anything wrong but it also wasn't ease for exceptional you know, so you know, it's it's, it's, it's a middling book it's, you know if, you, if you've got a couple of books to spare when it's cheap, go pick it up if you want a sort of different wacky X-Men adventure uh, the art I've said a couple of times now that I'm not a big fan of the artwork in this book. So, the art gets a two. But, the colouring in this book is wonderful. It's so vibrant and poppy and it just brings the whole thing to life. And it's just really flashy and... It makes it really eye-catching. And I think because of the colouring, you sort of let go of the fact that the artwork isn't 
well, it's not to my taste. It's not bad because they can draw better than I can. Man, you, you should see me trying to draw a stick, man. It looks like a spider just sort of exploded on a page. Um, but the, the colorist really saved this book for me. So it gets an extra point. So for the, for the whole story, for the whole thing, you know, the writing gets three, the art team gets three, so we wind up with a fully clawed-up Wolverine. If you want to add those together and make it a six because you really like this series and you think I'm just talking utter shit, then you go for it. You just say, well, that dude gave it a six. It must be good. And you can send your hate or love to me on Twitter. I don't mind. I've, I've, I've got some spare time this week. I'll take, your, I'll take your, your love or your hate, whichever. Just not between the hours of five and six because that's Willie's time, all right? Not between five and six. Um, so there we have it. E is for Extinction. The Secret Wars tie-in featuring... Let's be honest, it's Grant Morrison's new X-Men. There's no other way to put it. It's it's the new X-Men. Um, it was fun. It was exciting. It wasn't life-changing. It was just a fairly middling comic book. And I could have read worse things, you know? I've quite enjoyed doing this series for the podcast that goes snicked. So I hope you enjoyed it all. I hope you read it. I hope you, you know, start a discussion with your friends, with me, Jason, whoever. Go go up to people in the street and be like, do you read these for extinction? Because this is what happens and you need to agree with me. Because that's how opinions work. No, wait, no. That's how opinions work, but that's how they shouldn't work. Everyone should be allowed to be different. But they're not. All right, this is, this is getting all too sort of socio-political sciences now. So I'm going to wrap it up. Um, is for Extinction. A solid three. Three claws, one fist. Straight to the stomach of Jean Grey. Um, I thank you very much for listening. And... I hope you enjoyed the series and the rest of the X-Men Secret Wars tie-in series. And now, it's back to the studio. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Yeah, well, so, before, before it gets away from me, he suggested you uh, bug him on Twitter, but neglected his handle. And that is, um, at Geek Without Fear. So you can hit Matt up on Twitter, and I, I advise that you do. He's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I mostly agree with you, Matt. Um... The series is wacky and obviously is trying to do a kind of a Grant Morrison thing. Burnham's not quite as weird as Morrison. and I guess he's as weird. He's not as ethereal weird. He's just kind of, oh, this is weird and wacky and odd. You know, and but not like fry your brain. <laughs> I guess that'd be the difference between the two. And yeah, the art's still kind of ugly, but it grew on me a little bit. I thought it was, this was the best that it was, was this issue. And I agree, the coloring is fantastic. The story overall was wacky and kind of interesting. Some of the dialogue was a little like, hey, X-Men cliche, X-Men um, uh, catchphrase, you know? Like, I don't know, there's a part where like, when Wolverine is confronted about killing and you know he's about to, we get a really nice hot pink and yellow snicked. But in between that, or, or, or sandwiching that snicked, 
Yeah, we have a crazy flaming broad. I'm at peace with what I do. Snicked. And what I do ain't pretty. I don't mind killing someone twice. Which I don't know. I mean, the, the crazy flaming broad is a little like, what's the most old school Wolverine thing we could say there? Yeah, which is fine. I mean, it, that's a very like hypocritical thing to talk about because there's sometimes you're like, oh yeah, that's classic Wolverine. That's fun. And there's sometimes it's annoying. And there's not really a, a formula to win it's which <laughs> just kind of however it feels. And then there's the part where uh, when Professor X takes over Wolverine and they become the ultimate weapon X. And they're like, ah! And then he suddenly has an X scar on his chest. And it's just, I don't know, that part's weird. But I, yeah, I thought the art was the best that it was in the series. And there's a part where when Phoenix and Wolverine do, or when Jean and Wolverine do stab each other, she makes like Wolverine claws out of Phoenix fire on her fist. That, that was pretty cool. And the coloring's good, and then the story's fine, and I'm going to agree with Matt. I feel like this issue and this series are both just a straight-up three out of six claws. Uh, So that's E for Extinction. So next up, we're going to go to Georgie with House of M. Take it away, Georgie. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the reviews by the Georgie that goes snicked, or something to that nature. That's right, folks. I've made the transition from Tokyo to L.A., which is kind of like making a transition from being a mutant to an inhuman. Uh, everything's still weird, but just in a stranger way. So that's L.A. Come here or don't. And I'm here to review issues two and three of House of M. Um... I'm very much on the same wavelength as Jason was with issue one. It was kind of okay for me. Some of the art was great. Some of the art was pretty mediocre. And everyone's nose is like chopped off. Um, Like they got a pig nose or a Mobius nose. So that was happening. And that was all by uh, the art by Marco Fela, Fela, Faya, F-A-I-L-L-A. So... I wish him all the best. I just hope for something a little bit more consistent uh, next time. However, uh, ish, uh, the covers for issues one through three are great. They are done by Chris Anka, and you just wish that he was doing all the inside work as well, because that would have really improved uh, the impression of these books. So, moving into issue number two, we've got uh, writers Dennis Hopeless and uh, Colin Bunn, uh, Marco Faya as artist, and Matt Wilson as the color art, excuse me, color artist, a little bit of the L.A. air there is getting in my throat. Um, I'd like to also mention that uh, Mr. Wilson does his best to elevate the art as as best as he can. And he's he's a great colorist. Uh, he's, uh, of course, working with the Wicked Divine Fellows. Um, but he's doing some other color work, especially uh, getting more work recently. And he's he's great with shadow and... Uh, bright tones, so he brings a lot of that that uh, great color work to ish, you know all the issues. Um, as far as issue two goes, we see that uh, the heroes who are left that, that weren't stomped to death have teamed up with Death Locket, and they're going to attack Magneto. And blah blah blah, it's a terrible plan. It, you know, there's no way they're going to make it. 
the cool thing is that um, with Magneto as ruler of uh, Genosha here, his royal family is uh, free to run amok. So we get to see his royal grandsons, or the sons of uh, Wanda, just uh, doing some uh, good old-fashioned uh, mockery, mockery in the streets. So any, anytime we get some Wiccan is, is great. Um, however, Wolverine with his shield members go to stop them and uh, that's when Wanda goes crazy and goes super powered and that's kind of a, a deal breaker for me. Uh, super overpowered, deus ex machina, uh, super duper crazy Wanda just kills the book for me. However, on the other end of things, Quicksilver has teamed up with Namor and they're going to attack because Quicksilver wants to be king. Because um, he's the dick, like always. Um, so, at the same time, the Quicksilver and Nemo are attacking the three remaining humans with Deathlock Locket attack. And lo and behold, uh, Hawkeye is able to neutralize Magneto's powers. So he's powerless again, but just, you know, in a different way than uh, his solo series. And guess what? Fin Fang Foom appears and is going to eat everybody. And that would have been interesting, but... Um, but to be continued. So book number two, it was just, it was, I don't know, so-so. I'll give it three out of six claws. The art was nothing special. The story was definitely nothing special. And there's a lot of characters to juggle. And it feels like a lot of story and just going from plot point to plot point instead of uh, focusing on Magneto, which is really what this should have done. Um, just like his solo book series, which is wonderful. I miss it. So, moving on to book number two, uh, three, uh, we got Dennis Hopeless and Colin Bunn uh, as the writers again, uh, although this time we have Ario and Indito as artist and Matthew Wilson back on as color art. So, comparing the art for issue three to issue two, um, issue three is much uh, more of a, a detailed and sketchy art compared to uh, books one and two. Um, it's a, a welcome change, and there are some really great panels, especially when um, they're doing close-ups of Magneto, Magneto's face or any character's face. There's a great sort of opening uh, front page of Fing Fang Foom and, and everyone in the water, and it looks gorgeous. Um, and Wilson does a great job to adjust his art, uh, sorry, his colors to the new artist, and I think the art uh, consistency is definitely improved in book three. Although, whenever the book sort of uh, zooms away from characters, they lose a lot of detail, and it can look a little bit, um, I'd, uh, I don't want to say disappointing, but you really want to see the fine detail, because that's what this artist is really great at. Um, so moving on with the story, uh, Polaris, who is part of the royal family in this book, saves, saves um, everyone from Fin Fang Foom, um, and they escape. However, Quicksilver still assumes authority, and it definitely looks like Namor is going to backstab him and take over. Uh, regarding Namor in the book, he's drawn kind of weird in all the issues. He's got like this great huge upper body with these sort of normal swimmer's legs. It's It just looks odd. Um, so that's happening. Magneto f figures out that his son has is, is done a coup. So what does he do? He teams up with the humans because... He spent, I don't know what, years destroying humans and taking over Genosha only to just team up with the humans who took his powers. It doesn't really fit well with the character, so that's disappointing. Um, Wanda goes super crazy even more, so, you know, that's even more disappointing. Um, but the art looks great. 
uh, throughout the book, consistent-wise, uh, consistency-wise. Uh, Wanda ends up teaming up with Quicksilver, and um, three humans, Magneto and Lorna, are going to, and Deathlocket, are going to help some humans escape the prison. Because that's what Magneto would do. It's consistent. No, actually, no, it's not. So that's what happened in that book. Um, I know that was kind of a quick review. Um, but I think I'll give this one maybe four out of six claws. Um, I feel like it's, plot-wise, it's just sort of jumping from point to point without really staying consistent with, with the characters, their motivations. Um, but it's not terrible at all. It's actually, I feel... Issue 3 is an improvement, especially in the art department, like I keep bringing up. Um, but all in all, you throughout every issue, you just end up wishing that Chris Anka was doing the inside art, because his covers are just spectacular for the series so far. Um, so that's issue 2 and 3. It's... I wouldn't say it's a must-buy uh, in the least bit, but it's, it's a decent entry into the secret wars jumble we got going on. So here's hoping that uh, when Magneto reappears, we get some more excellent character study in the Uncanny X-Force book that's coming out after Secret Wars. So Jason, um, I'm formally extending an invite to you and any of your listeners. If you come out to L.A., I will give you a floor to sleep on and we can go get some drinks and some terrible pizza. No, wait, let's get some Mexican food and, and we can look at and the craziness that is L.A. So, uh, from L.A., this is uh, Georgie with the Pignose Val VVV, and uh, signing off. All right, Georgie's back. Thank you, Georgie. Um, and by the way, since he's in L.A., he has a new uh, Twitter handle. It is uh, no longer the epic at Tokyo Tranny Boy, but the uh, equally as epic at LA Boy Toy. So that's how you can find Georgie on the old uh, Twitterverse. Yeah, you know, uh, me and Georgie agree on a lot of things, but um, I'm going to be a little bit different on these books. Part of it is because when I started reading these two issues, I was thinking about how Georgie was going to give me some great reviews, and so I was in a pretty good mood. <laughs> and I don't know, I just... As far as issue number two goes, I agree the art is kind of hit and miss. Uh, everybody looks like a monkey. Uh, it's like House of M, Planet of the Apes. But um, I don't know, that issue was just so bonkers. And the plot was just, it was just, just crazy after crazy. You have like Fing Fang Foom and, and Namor giving Quicksilver some kind of like sucky jellyfish thing that sucks his face to help him breathe underwater and I don't know it was just the whole the whole story the whole issue was just nuts and I just had a lot of fun with it so I'm gonna give uh, House of M number two five out of six claws go a little bit higher than uh, Georgie there House of M number three I agree the art is better though I also agree with Georgie that preferable to either of these artists would be Chris Anka doing all of the art <laughs> that would just make my day and I think it would just really fit this series really well. I mean, you can see it on the covers. And it just works. And I agree that the, the plot was probably a little more... Solid-ish? Wasn't quite as nuts. But I think, um... 
kind of Magneto being really out of character, which I agree with Georgie, but I think it think it uh, took away from the story a little more for me than maybe it did for him. So I'm going to drop House of M number three to three out of six claws. But I, overall, I think we're vaguely in the same place. It's a, it's a decent book. I don't know. Number two just struck my funny bone in the right way. I was just like, what? Like every time something happened, I was like, that's insane. And I enjoyed it. So, but again, thank you, Georgie. Uh, hit him up on Twitter. And uh, go read his articles on the uh, Intercomics podcast website. Anyway, um, so Battle World swallowed yet another uh, special correspondent. Chandler is going to get in some more Age of Apocalypse reviews for next time to conclude the series. I wanted to just very briefly run through number three and number four. Um, they're both by the same team. That's Fabian Nicieza, maybe. Gerardo Sandoval, David Curiel, VCs Clayton Cowles. And on both covers, Curiel is a left off of the cover credit. I'm sorry, no, he's not. Curiel is there. Sandoval is a left off of the cover credits. And that's uh, two issues in a row. And he's just not there. I don't know what Mar was trying to say with that. But I'm, I thought the art was fine. It's very stylized. He definitely is of the school of uh, Joe Mad. Anyway, as far as the stories go, I'm just, just briefly, they're fine. Uh, we have this guy, and he's, he's got Gene, and he's trying to figure out what's going on, and honestly, I kind of got lost a little bit in part of the story. It's not as coherent, there's some fighting, we get some Magneto backstory, Wolverine kills a deer, they are interrogating long-haired Cyclops, Emma Frost gets knocked on her ass by some psychic backlash. And there's a virus that's uh, going to unleash, hurt all the humans, or I'm sorry, it's going to kill all the mutants. And Apocalypse gets the canister, they recover it, and he squashes it and says, all right, let's see who's really fit to survive. Eh, it's fine. It's not very memorable. I'll give Age of Apocalypse number three, three out of six claws. Number four, I guess the most kind of noteworthy thing of this is, you know, this is a very, it's based on a series from the 90s, you know, Age of Apocalypse. And the art style is very reminiscent of some late 90s art by Joe Mad. So Sandoval is kind of in that vein. And on the cover, we have um, we have a, an, an ass shot for Emma Frost, that we, the likes of which we probably haven't seen <laughs> since the 90s. That's probably not true. I'm sure ass shots have lasted a lot longer than that. But it just seemed very gratuitously 90s. Um, Emma just uh, hanging it out there. She's all bent. And that one of those impossible poses where you can see both full ass and full boob. But there you go. That's the cover to that. And inside, uh, basically, oh, sorry, we have a different artist. Iban Quello, or Cello, is the artist. It is definitely not as 90s looking. <laughs> or at least not in the same way. It actually is kind of 90s looking, but in a different way. Anyway, Apocalypse fights all the X-Men. Scott and uh, or Cyclops and Wolverine go to rescue Gene when they're blasted by Havoc. He's like, no, we're not going to betray Apocalypse. And then it turns out the, uh, the virus actually kills Apocalypse, so he's not the strongest one there is. And Magneto dies, uh, defeating Apocalypse. And in kind of a touching moment, Emma makes his last memory. She kind of changes the memory where he deflected a bullet that killed Professor X. And this time the bullet... Um, doesn't hit Professor X. So he gets to die with a happy memory. 
Then they decide they're going to go attack Corbeau, who's behind all this stuff, Dr. Nemesis. And that's who they're going to fight. Again, the plot's kind of wheels off, kind of all over the place. The art is not quite as good. This book's just kind of, it started off decent, but it's just kind of okay. Um, I'm going to give Age of Apocalypse number four, three out of six claws as well. Um, so that's going to do it. Hope you enjoyed this Secret Wars update. Don't know how many more of these we'll have. We have three more issues of Secret Wars, but I don't know if any form of Wolverine will appear in the book proper or not. So I don't know. And plus, the all-new, all-different post-Secret Wars books are out. And they're coming out right now. So, um, yeah. So we may have a regular episode again before we have another final Secret Wars update. We'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. But anyway, until next time, you can um, like the Facebook page. Twitter is at SnickCast. Show notes and stuff are SnickCast.Podbean.com. Email us SnickCast at Yahoo.com. And that's it. So thank you again to all my correspondents who contributed reviews. I super appreciate it. Really make this um, Secret Wars coverage very special. So thanks. And until next time, everyone, hugs and snicks. Bye.